What up, guys? Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. I am here today with a very special guest, David Keith Lalive Jr. What's going on, man? What's up? How you doing? Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so me and Keith are technically related. We are cousin-in-laws. Um, you married your wife. I married my wife. And our wives are cousins. So that's kind of how that works. So we're technically like related now. That's right. So Correct. Yeah. Feel, feels good. cousin in law, <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pour you up a drink. I know you're a Crown Royal man, so I got us some Crown Royals. So. Okay, beautiful. That's all I drink. That's it. You That's it. I only drink Crown. Oh, holy shit! That's my my button. <laughs> there we go. Look at that. Beautiful. I'll grab it because your arm's flying. I was just telling Keith Thank I'm not supposed you. to be drinking with my arm, but you know. I don't think that's accurate. You don't I think was it's saying, true? No, I think you should drink alcohol. You know, for you said it's against the healing process. I think you need it. You know, agree. loosens you up. Salute. Cheers. Welcome on the show. It's a pleasure. This is going to be a really interesting one because Keith is a criminal defense attorney. That's right. He's a lawyer. I am a lawyer. It's a big deal. Well, uh, yeah. How did, you, uh, how did you get to this point in your life? What made you want to become a lawyer? So uh, I actually started uh, as you may, actually, you may not know this. I, I studied to be a priest. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I studied to be a priest for a few years and I went to uh, college and uh, met a girl who is now my wife, mm -hmm. who is your wife's cousin. Cousin-in-law, technically or as cousin -in -law, well. Cousin-in-law and uh, decided, you know, uh, this was not for me. Uh, being a priest, because I found a girl, you can't be married uh, mm -hmm. when you're a priest. So um, actually, I, it was kind of like a last minute thing. Okay. So, because, so how close were you to priesthood? Well, I mean, as far as like actually being a priest, I was still, you know, a few years away. Okay. But um, when I decided not to, I was like in the middle of my uh, junior year. Okay. So what is that process like becoming a priest? What what kind of steps you got to take and how, how long of a process is that? Um, so I think overall it's like a six year process, but I was trying to do it in four years with the school that I went to because it was a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And I was actually in a like priestly formation program at the school. And uh, but then I saw Joni one day in the cafeteria and was it love at first sight? You know, it was I, t I tell the story that I actually set up set it up so that I like bumped into her in the cafeteria. Okay. Yeah. Just to talk to her. Cause I was, uh, you were in love. You were in love. Yes. <laughs> yes. And actually I was very obese back then. So I couldn't like, like Seriously? Oh yeah. I was a fat ass. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to like, I wasn't just going to go up and talk to her. I had to like, right. You know, bump into her kind of thing. <laughs> and actually the first compliment I ever gave her, this is also very strange looking back on it. Um, I told her she looked like a porcelain doll, which I don't know why the fuck you would tell someone that. And like the fact the that she still time. married you and somehow yeah. had any interest in you, that's, that's the true amazing thing. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> she's, she liked nerds, so it worked out for me. There you go. It worked out for me. And um, I, I can't lie, I almost didn't have you on the show because <laughs> you're a Patriots fan. Well, yeah, I'm and you it And you decided today. to wear the shirt. Well, I, mean, I almost asked you to take it off and just do the interview shirtless. I mean, I don't get <laughs> the most views you'll ever get in your life. If I do, this it shirtless. probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. Put Clickbait right glore. Yeah. Exactly. People saw that in the thumbnail and be like, oh, yeah, who's this sexy dog? I'm going to click on this video. Tits out for the boys. <laughs> so what do you think about the Patriots future? I mean, no more Tom Brady. I mean, listen, I Tom took over the team when I was like 12 or something like that. I'll never forget where I was sitting when. Uh, Bledsoe got hurt, Brady came out, and I remember turning to my dad and saying, you know, who, who is this guy? And my <laughs> dad's guy? like, I don't know who this guy is. And um, so, I mean, honestly, it's been a big part of my, you know, I know people get a little melodramatic about sports. There's much important, many other important things happening out mm -hmm. there, but I mean, he was a big part of my life. Right. 20 years is a long time. Yeah. And he gave, I mean, he gave me a lot. So, I mean, I've been blessed to be part of the greatest franchise, I think, in the history of the world. Um... I hate, you know, I, I'm going to, I hate on ESPN when people go arguably, you know, people say that shit because yeah, they don't want to commit. 
They're like, oh, arguably the best team, arguably the best quarterback. No, it's not arguable. Yeah. He's the best quarterback that's ever lived. Best dynasty in sports history. And uh, yeah, I've kind of mentally been preparing myself these past couple of years because, yeah. you know, nothing lasts forever kind of thing. So I wish him the best. I, yeah. Tom, I wish Tom that we're in first term first name basis okay so i wish tom the best i'm happy bill's still around and do, i think do you think they're going to succeed in tampa um well you know i think the most interesting thing is is going to be um what's that fucker's name down there the coach he was here the cardinals for I have no idea for the guy that always wears the the hat he was a coach of the cardinals for years and he's now the, i can't believe i'm going blank on it yeah I but don't anyway know. he's real laid back real loose and he's it's totally different than Belichick. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, I hope he and Gronk do well. I hope we crush them, you know. If oh, yeah, need. you guys are playing them. I don't know. Are we? I think. Wait, no, maybe not. I don't know. I know the Chiefs are playing uh, Tampa Bay in a big nighttime game. They, so. I think they got that. He's going to play. They play the Saints. I think they play Rodgers, too. Maybe I was looking at Maybe they don't play. And I was trying to figure out why they didn't set that up. Well, they wouldn't have known, I don't think, at the time, but maybe. Gotcha. But, yeah, I mean, I listen, I love Tom, uh, greatest of all time, and, you know, we still got Bill. Yeah. We still got Belichick. True. Well, we'll see how that the goes. The Dark Lord himself. <laughs> I should have brought a hoodie, actually. Instead yeah, of that's what you should have done. Yeah. So, as a criminal defense attorney, what, what is that like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, what does your day usually look like? I'm sure that, you know, it changes on a day-to-day -day basis, but on your average day, like, what do you do? So, uh, I'm in court every morning. So every single morning, every single morning, I'm in court. Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday. Okay. Every morning there's like a morning calendar and that's where you just have hearings for all, all your clients. And, uh, so then I may have a couple meetings like mid morning, you know, I'll get a review, all the stuff at the office, like evidence, case law, do interviews in preparation for trial write motions, you know, review everything. And then, um, you know, in the afternoon, it's probably more meetings. And then sometimes the bigger hearings, like an evidentiary hearing, if you're trying to keep evidence out, um, those will happen in the afternoon. Why uh, is that? Well, they take more time. I mean, the morning calendar uh, for court is real just basic stuff. It's saying hi to the judge. It's mm -hmm. uh, giving them an update on the case and... There's probably, I want to say there's probably 30 different courtrooms that are active in a morning. And a, wow. and a lawyer, you know, I'll probably have four hearings a morning. And basically, you just got to be done by 1030. So it's 830 to 1030. Get your shit done in two hours. If you don't, you know, you're in a lot of trouble with the judge. But. Really? So are these hearings where, you know, your client is there with you and you're, you have your other clients waiting on in the hall for you or... How is like how is that organized? Yeah, so um, it's not organized well uh, from the court, you know, from my perspective. If you look at the court, but yeah, I mean, we do a good job of we have great staff at the law firm. Um, we do a good job of just saying, you know, hang out. I'll be there at about this time. I try to plan my morning. You got to know the judges. You got to know right. the prosecutors. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be the bum that's going to show up thirty minutes late? Mm -hmm. You know, the prosecutor that can't get out of bed. Uh, what judge likes to show up? you know, a half hour late for court. So you kind of got to know those things. Um, but I get it done every day. You just, you get, you find yeah. a way to get it done. But so, so why, why criminal defense as opposed to like business law or, you know, something, you know, more, I don't, I don't know how many types of law <laughs> there even are. I mean, there's a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. There are a, a ton of different types of law. And I think, um, I mean, I think a lot of the law is really boring, to be honest with uh -huh. you. I That's mean, what I was thinking when I was when I was thinking of asking you that. I'm like, it's just got to be really interesting. It's got to be entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that, there's nothing better than... Um, I was saying this to my wife the other day. For me, there's nothing more exciting than what I do. Um, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't other types of law that aren't important. They definitely are. And I there's a lot of good attorneys. I'm sure they're good at what they do, but... Um, like I said, I'm in court every day. So I think there's this perception, and even I had this sort of idea going into law school that every type of law, you're always in court, you know, right. no matter whether it's tax law or, you know, uh, family law, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's just not how it works. Uh, criminal law, criminal defense, you're in court. I mean, if you're good, I guess, if you don't have any clients, I guess. <laughs> 
You're probably not in court, <laughs> but, um, you know, you should be in court every day. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, in law school, I did, I did some civil that, you know, was kind of born civils. Like, you know, if you're right. suing for personal injury or defending yeah. against it or, you know, business transactions. And then, um, I actually interned for a couple of prosecutorial agencies, meaning the state, the prosecutors, the people that, um, the people that are now prosecuting my clients, I interned for them in law school. And they were good experiences, but, um, I mean, first of all, there's no money in it. Right. I mean, working for the government. So to me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then, um, also I, you know, criminal defense is the most challenging thing there is, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's, from my perspective in the law, there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more difficult. There's nothing more than a challenge. And, uh, the stakes are huge. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, these people's lives are in your hands. Yeah. I this mean, it's got to be nerve wracking. So, I mean, my first job in criminal defense, I work for uh, Bruce Blumberg, absolute legend of a criminal defense attorney. I would say in the Southwest. I mean, really? Oh, yeah. He's Bruce is unbelievable. I mean, um, uh, quick story about Bruce. He, so Bruce only took big cases. Um, so, quickly going back, like, when you mention it's a lot of pressure. So, I mean, there's a lot of attorneys that just do misdemeanors, petty offenses, like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think you get at a fight at a bar, right? That's probably a misdemeanor. Um, you know, those aren't really that big of a deal. I mean, I, I can still see how they would impact someone's life and I'm not trying to minimize any of that. Yeah. But I mean, you probably get probation or something like that. Um, and a misdemeanor is not going to ruin your, ruin your life. Your criminal record yeah. or anything. Yeah. So, but the cases, I only take, you know, the biggest cases. So we only do um, murder, you know, sex cases, sexual assault, rape cases, uh, big drug cases in federal court. Um, that's all I've ever known. So when I worked for Bruce, those were the only cases I ever did. So it's kind of, I was sort of like, I don't want to use the word born into it, but that's right. all I've ever known as an attorney are, I mean, my first trial was a, a murder trial. Wow. I wasn't first chair. You know, he was in charge. I was second chair. Um, meaning. Yeah. How does that work? So you can have like two lawyers. Yeah. And so it's like a head coach and assistant coach kind of deal. And you just pay a bigger fee or what? Um, or how does. So, I mean, I, I guess it works different at different firms. Mm -hmm. um, the way it works in Arizona. So if you are charged with murder, I'll say Maricopa County. So that's, okay. yeah. that's like the Phoenix area felonies. Uh, those you're usually going to be going up against two prosecutors in a murder case. So now the way I practice is I don't have a second chair, uh, meaning I don't have someone assisting me, which I fucking love by the way. Right. This is a free tip for you lawyers out there. If you ever go into trial and you got two prosecutors against you, there's a process when you, I know I'm going all over the place. You don't care, right? No, not okay. at all. This there's is a, all interesting. There's a process called voir dire which is just a fancy term for jury selection. And when you're picking jurors, um, I love nothing more than when the prosecutors, there's two prosecutors there, the supervisors in the back, they got fucking three paralegals, a thousand documents. And I just go up and I, I always, you know, I introduce myself saying, you know, I'm Dave Lalive. This is my client. Just introduce myself. That's, you got to set a tone, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. in the trials that I'm doing, it's going to be weeks. So, I mean, these people that I'm meeting when I'm picking them to be on my jury, you know, it's like anything else. You're going to be spending a lot of time with these people. So you have to be real with them. But whenever there's a bunch of people on the other side, I always, I go, listen, don't, don't you worry about little old me. I know it's just me versus the power of the awesome government. They got a lot of people over there. You don't worry about it. You know, like we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Don't feel bad for me. That's great. So inevitably the prosecutors don't, you know, they object. I'm sure. Like yeah. That shit, so, so how do you go about the process of selecting a jury? That's something that I've always, I know about it, but I don't quite understand it. So, so jury selection, probably, probably the scariest thing you can do, um, as a new attorney because you, you can't teach it. Right. You can't teach it in law school. It's like when I'm out there pranking people and I know exactly how they're going to react to whatever video I'm doing because I've done it so many times and you can read a person. You can't, you can't teach that to anybody. Yeah. And I think, I think um, 
it's a combination of like what so i mean you're naturally funny guy obviously and then so there's like the raw talent of it and then as you say reading people mm -hmm. so i mean i mean obviously you know how to read people right and what you do but it comes with experience too so i mean when you're going there and i mean so for, for my case so i mean i'll give you an example so i had a um I had a huge trial this past, I want to say it was like August, September, down in Tucson. And uh, it was a big sex case. My client was completely innocent. And um, the way it works in Arizona pretty much is a lot of times you're in custody. Like you can't get a bond kind of thing. Wow. So, I mean. Really? He, yeah. For a lot of serious for cases. For how long? I mean, he was in custody. So, we actually did two cases with in, in this trial. The first trial was a mistrial, meaning something went wrong. Mm -hmm. The trial was dismissed. Right. He had to stay in custody for another five months before we could do the oh trial my again. God. And I mean, this guy, um, you know, uh, love him, nothing but respect for him. I love nothing more than when, uh, I, I, I'm kind of going all over the place, but there's a lot of defense attorneys that, you know, you can take a plea agreement in a case, right? Mm -hmm. Plea agreement meaning you sign an agreement saying you're guilty. You're getting some benefit out yeah, of it. Yeah, they give you a better deal to not go through with the trial and exactly all that. right. So this guy, you know, think about the pressure of. So in all my cases, my clients are almost always looking at at least ten to twenty years. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's looking at a hundred and like thirty years plus a life sentence Jeez. on top. And I mean, he's one of those those clients that. You know, he looks you dead in the eye. You know, there, there's always a point, I feel like, with my clients where it's, you know, uh, my boss calls it the fork in the road kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Where you go, okay, you're going to take a plea, you're going to go to trial. And I always say, I don't, I really truly don't give a shit what, what direction. It, I mean, I can give my opinion. That's what they're paying me for. My experience is say, you know, what, uh, I've seen this happen. I've done this trial. I've seen crazy stuff happen before, but you know, maybe, you know, it's my professional opinion opinion. You should take the plea. I can't tell him take this plea. You can't legally tell him that. No, that's completely legal. No one can do that. No really? one can do it. Yeah. You so can't it's ever... all opinion based. You can tell him what's happened in the past, give him examples, but you can't say, I think you should take this. No, you can say, I think you can, you can take it, but it's but never you can't your say decision. You can take this. Yeah. Got you it. can never say, I, and there are attorneys, I think, that are probably, I mean, I've seen it, defense attorneys that go, you need to take this plea. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. I have never said that to a client because, kind of going, and you asked about different types of law, I think even in criminal defense, there's different types of attorneys. So, I mean, you have attorneys that love signing their clients up for plea agreements, and you have attorneys that are trial attorneys. Right. So, I mean... Warriors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to me, I, I mean, uh, I never feel more alive than when I'm in trial. Right. I mean, there's nothing more. It's your place, what you're meant to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that's kind of what I mean by there's nothing I'd rather be doing. I mean, it's stressful. I'm sure. And yeah, it's gotta uh, be. I'll probably be dead in about five <laughs> years. But, you know, I'm kind of, a, it's, I know that's like a weird thing to say, but do you ever think to yourself, like, if I died tomorrow, you wouldn't regret what you spent your right. time doing. You'd be kind happy. Of thing. Yeah. And I mean, what a life to live for mm -hmm. me. And, and I think that goes really for, I mean, like you, you're obviously passionate about what you do. You're very good about what you do. You know, you're successful, but you know, it's kind of that secure. I don't know. It's like a secure feeling. And I don't right. think, I don't, it, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you know, exactly. That's what you're called to do. It's more of just knowing that you've done it too. You know, that's, that's a comfortable feeling. So Back to the jury selection. How? Yeah, Dave. Back to the fucking question. <laughs> answer the question. I really, answer the question. I really want to fucking know oh, the I'm answer. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> How does that work? As far as like, does the prosecutor's side get X amount of selections, or do you select them all right away? How do you eliminate them? How many people do they bring in? And and I know twelve end up staying. But how, what does that look like? And how much information do you have about each person going into it? Okay, that's a lot. So <laughs> that's um, like five questions bundled into one. It does depend in the state of Arizona. It depends on how many years you're looking at. Okay. So I uh, so say 10 years. 10 years, you're going to get eight jurors and two okay. alternates. Why is that? Judicial so efficiency. Would five years be more or less? No, same. Eight? It's when it's over 30 years. I think it's 30. Got it. Over 30 years. Then you get so, I mean, 12? My trials are almost always 
12, and then two alternates. Okay. Meaning you get two people that sit there. That are basically substitutes. Well, but they don't know it till the very end. Oh, really? You, so don't, they, you know. don't know if your vote counts. Right, which is killer. Absolutely killer as an attorney. Cause yeah, because you, you could have someone that if they were, you know, an actual juror as opposed to an alternate, the case would have been completely different. Right, and I mean, think about it if, you know, um, and by the way, as an attorney, you have no idea what the jury's thinking. There's been plenty of times where I'm like, like I had a sex case where um, we went to trial. I had to pick a woman. Uh, well, I didn't pick her, but she, um, I'll talk about the jury. I promise I'll talk about the jury selection mm -hmm. process in a second. Uh, but she uh, was like a, a Girl Scout leader, uh, you know, was part of a young woman's like professional group and like helped, you know, young ladies become successful. And here my client is accused of molesting, you know, his daughter. Mm -hmm. And she's on my jury. Wow. And so you're thinking. That's automatic. I mean, you would think you would think and you're thinking to yourself, the most I can hope for is a mistrial, meaning maybe I can get a few people on the jury not to agree because there's no way this woman is going to see my point of view. This woman came up to me after now after a jury trial, it's it's guilty or not guilty, meaning the jury never comes out and says your client's innocent. It's guilty or not guilty. Mm -hmm. If you're not guilty, you walk. If you're guilty, there's a punishment. She came up after and she shook my hand and she goes, um. She goes, you know, uh, he was innocent. He was innocent. And that really just struck me. I mean, you always just yeah. learn things about people. And that was that's really crazy. a life lesson for me, too. Like, you can't. And that's kind of why. So you ask about the jury selection process. I've tried to stop playing Joe psychologist. <laughs> uh, you know, like try to be psychic and pretend to get in these people's head. Obviously, there's some people that you're definitely. If they say they can't be fair and impartial. Fair and impartial are the two things to be on a jury. If they're saying, I can't be fair and impartial to your client, Dave, well, you can't sit on my jury. You can't be on the right. jury. Um, so they'll probably, they bring in jury panels. So like first, I don't know, you say first day of trial, they'll bring in, uh, I'm trying to think of a number. So like in Tucson, it's probably more like 60 people. Up wow. in Maricopa County, it's probably like 100 people. And um, they're all seated in there. And then you have jurors that sit in the jury box. And then the rest of the courtroom is filled with prospective jurors, too. And the judge starts by asking basic questions, getting basic information. Where do you work? What do you do? Is, do you have a medical problem where you can't be a juror? Stuff like that. And then, you know, the numbers start to dwindle. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually you're usually left with 1,200-year-old women. You know what I mean? <laughs> that are sitting on your jury because yeah. most people have jobs. Right. Most people don't right. want to do it. Um, can you say, I don't want to do this? You can, but I will. Uh, let, can I get on my soapbox yeah, for one course. second? There's nothing more important than jury duty. So like to, to all you listeners out there, whoever's listening to this, it may seem like an imposition, but in this might seem kind of melodramatic coming from me, but we need you. We need you there. The system is imperfect, but it's, there's a reason that we have the right to jury trials. It's because, you know, we have a right to be tried by a jury of our peers. Right. So, you know, if let's say I'm going to trial and there's the only people on my jury available are a 50, 50 to 70 retired and blue collar workers. Are they going to relate to me? Probably not. So, I mean, that makes it tough. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, I see a lot of young people there and I'm not saying it's not a sacrifice. It is a big sacrifice to sit on a jury, but you know, give it a second thought. Don't try to just get out of it. You know what I mean? Cause it's a big, think about if it was you, 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 you know, right. You'd want an opportunity. So you do get a lot of information from people. Where do they work? What do they do? What do they live? Was it like an interview process? Yeah, it is. It is. But the judge the judge will ask the same questions of every juror. So what do you do for work? Have you sat on a jury before? Was the guilty, was the verdict guilty or not guilty? You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, if I see a dude on the jury, he's like, yeah, I've been on three juries and the judge is all like, guilty. Yeah. All guilty. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you start taking notes and saying, right. okay, thanks. We're not interested kind of thing. You get six strikes per side. Okay. That's done at the very end. So after the judge is done, then the attorneys can ask questions. Got it. That's the, that's voir dire. And so you can basically X off six people. 
Well, that's at the end. Uh-huh. But during questioning, so different. So when you're doing voir dire process, there are some defense attorneys and prosecutors that try to play Joe's psychologist. I'm just trying to get to know these people. Right. And I'm trying to get them to know me, too. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to talk to them. Yeah, because ultimately you're not going to control every... If I only have six strikes and the prosecutor has six strikes, well, there's going to be people on the jury that I'm not going to have probably thought were going to be good for my case. Mm -hmm. So uh, what am I going to (laughs) do? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) I'd rather just get to know them. And so like this, I had a sex case um, this past fall and um, my voir dire, I talked about the hashtag Me Too movement. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's relevant. People know right, about right. that. It's not, it's not a political thing because it touches every, you know, we got movie stars, mm-hmm. we got, you know, uh, congressmen, we got a president, we got, you know, everyone's being accused of it. So, um, but if there, so what I said to my, what I say to prospective jurors, I go, um, have you heard about, you know, believe all victims? You know, that's like a thing in the hashtag me, believe all victims. Well, if you raise your hand and say, I automatically believe a victim, I mean, you. Yeah, that's not. That ain't no bueno. Can't do it. Can't do it. So, yeah, there's a lot to to jury selection. That's interesting. So, by the time you get down, like you said, by the time you come in with 60, it dwindles down to 12, 15. And at that point, you have each six X's? No, so it'll be. Or is that throughout the process? No, it'll be 12. Or it'll be like 14 plus 12. Got it. So I'm not a math. Is that 26? Yep. There you go. Hmm. Interesting. That's what law school got me. <laughs> uh, 26. And then I'll have six strikes. Prosecutor has six strikes. And you go back and forth. Prosecutor strikes first. Hands the list to me. I strike someone. Hand wow, it back. Really? It's very, uh, there's something like very ceremonious yeah, about it. Yeah, it's like it, a sorta. draft. That's exactly what it's like, actually. Yeah, it is actually like a draft. Super interesting. Colton, real quick, can you turn the air on over here? I'm sweating my balls off. You keep it rolling. <laughs> it is hot. It my is, ice melted. It is so hot in here. Probably because I'm filling the room with a lot of hot air. Just <laughs> yeah. won't shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, dude, I, I love it. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show, because I find this stuff so interesting. And it's crazy to me because, I mean, myself included, I feel like I know a lot more than the, I don't know more than the average person, but maybe more than a lot of my friends at least um, about how the process works. But I feel like a lot of people just have no idea and they're completely oblivious to the, the entire like judicial system. So, yeah, I think um, so. When people ask me for advice, I always say, uh, don't talk to the police, don't talk to the police, don't talk to the police. Okay. And, and I mean, I, I, I know that, but um, for the viewers out there, why? Why do you say that? So um, I'm not the kind of attorney that thinks all cops are bad people. I don't think that. I think, you know, the boys in blue do a lot of good work. Um, you know, that's, uh, they help a lot of people. But that being said, in my line of work, with the cases I, I handle, you know, the the police's job is to arrest people. I mean, mm-hmm. that is, they do have quotas. I mean, when you hear about traffic tickets, they got to hit a certain quota. You know what I mean? Right. Um, this was, this really hit me is um, one time I was going through discovery and I, it was a big drug. It was a huge cartel case. I'm talking like 2000 pounds of meth. And then I went, um, I went to like the prosecutor's office for an interview and there's a picture, like one of the detectives had a picture with him like standing on the fucking meth like this with his buddies taking pictures. And to me, it's like that, that was like very, does this seem a little strange to you? Yeah. Because it's like they're, they were, I mean, I get it. You know, you want to be successful. You want to celebrate it, but there is something they do see it as a trophy. Right. When someone gets arrested and prosecuted, it's Uh their, I mean, they got their way to move up. Yeah. It's like anything else in life. Yeah. So I'm not talking. I mean, I'm not even saying that's necessarily bad in and of itself. But once you learn what the game is and what the rules are, you got to fight back. Right. So um, why shouldn't you talk to the police? Because you have the right to remain silent. I always get this question or when. So some people know they're under investigation and they hire me before they've been charged. So like they, the police officer has left a card on their door or detective or some shit. Or they know their phone's being tapped somehow. And they go, uh, what should I do? I go, 
don't talk to the police, don't talk to the police, don't talk to the police. And they always go, well, won't that make me seem guilty? And it's like, uh, no. And I you mean, can't use that in court, right? If you don't talk to the police, they can't even bring that up. That's exactly right. A hundred percent right. If they do, case is gone. Wow. Gone. Tossed. Never happened. So it doesn't matter at all. It will not make you seem guilty. No. I mean, and, and so I think from, they might think, oh, well, they're going to investigate me more or they're going to charge me if I don't talk to them. They've already made up their mind. 99 times out of 100, if the police are telling you to come down for an interview, your, your ass is already getting arrested. They're just trying to save time and money to I'm come trying to, your, to find you <laughs> your home and arrest no i swear yeah i'll never forget I, uh, um there was an autistic kid um you know he was an adult but he was young and they said hey you know just come down to the station we want to give you your property back i mean this kid shows up and they're arresting him uh, police can lie i mean don't forget that so it's a crime for you to lie to the police it ain't a crime for the police to lie to you wow. it happens all the time Wow, I never thought about that. I'm getting worked up. Can yeah. you tell? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah it sorry. just got like three degrees hotter in here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's now true. my ice is melting. Sorry. I know. <laughs> it's hot. So what's the, uh, what's the craziest case you've ever been a part of? Craziest case? I mean, there's so many. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, murder cases that are really out there. Um, uh, <laughs> there was a case once. This is... This is the fucking craziest case. For some reason, and I'm so, so I, you know, I represent people that have been charged with sex crimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is what it is. That probably upsets people, but I mean, you know, people that have commit crimes need attorneys. I mean, right. what do you want me to say? Um, there was a, <laughs> you know, like tax season out here. Uh huh. You know how they have like Liberty Taxi. Right. That? The, the statues on the side of the road, right? Yeah. Except they're not statues, they're human beings. Well, right, dressed yeah. as statues. Dressed as statues. <laughs> Let's just say there was once a client that had a certain affinity for these ladies in the statues. No. In the statue. Oh, yes. No. And let's just say this, this individual was pleasuring himself in the parking lot to these <laughs> Statue of Liberty ladies. What? I mean, that's, I, I don't know something crazier than that. Yeah, that's, that's weird. It's odd. It's almost it's in a way odd. it's worse than murdering someone. Yeah. In a weird Definitely. way, right? Like it would in almost a, be better. In a really fucked up way. Yeah. That yeah. is almost worse. And I, to me, it's like, I just always picture, you know, like most people when it's tax season, they're like, God damn, I'm going to pay my fucking taxes. This and guy's he, like, oh, like, oh, oh yeah. fucking tax it's season. It's time to go outside and play. <laughs> Lady Liberty, baby. <laughs> Let's go. So unfortunately... <laughs> He was the, caught. The one man in the world that loves taxis. Yeah, I don't and, really... And so was he killing them or he was just... No, 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 no murder. He, he was, was... No, he was beating his meat. Publicly. Well, I was in his, well, car. In his car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he was caught, so someone's not... How do you catch... I mean, I guess someone just... I won't get into the details. Got it. Yeah, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, very... That is probably the weirdest. That's probably the what weirdest. What was he facing? Eh, that was not so bad. As, um, I don't know. A little prison time. How long? Well, I mean, he didn't go to prison. Well, he got off? In a way, he did get off. How so? Well, he was jerking his dick in the parking lot. But also, I got him off. You know, and he didn't go to prison. Oh, my God. Just, you get it? Did he get the pun? I just got it. He just got it. Okay. Hopefully, wow. the viewers got it. Yeah, no, they, they'll catch on. Uh, so, yeah, that he, was... He was facing what, like... Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's a lower level felony. It's still a felony. I mean, yeah. whenever it's a felony, you're looking at prison time. So um, that was a that was a really. So how'd you get him off? Um, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, well, this was you like this you wasn't didn't really. Get him off, did no, you? no, no, no. This wasn't really. A, this is when I worked. Uh, okay. At a first, so it was sort of like an old story. Kind of thing. <laughs> so he wasn't. He wasn't my client. That's per great. Se, but yeah, he was. Uh, I remember that one. That one was in the news. So that was a long time ago. But uh, I'm trying to think of like. So I mean, the cases that really. Um, so I had a big drug case. It was like fentanyl. So fentanyl pills are like yeah, the new shit right. here in Arizona. I don't know why anyone would want fentanyl. Well, because they're counterfeit. So a lot of people don't know. Yeah. That's the problem. And that's what everyone's dying from. You can die. From just the tiniest little bit. First time. People mix it in with cocaine and people think they're doing pure cocaine and they die. That's how 
Oh, that I haven't. I mean, I'm sure yeah, that happens. That's what's happening to all these musicians. That's oh, they're how they're like all cutting dying. it with the 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 whoever's making it or selling it or whatever will mix it in with cocaine so that you know because it's cheaper than cocaine, and then they sell it, and then people are snorting it, and you can die from just snorting the tiniest amount because it's lethal. Yeah, I do know it's. It's it is the most dangerous thing out there. So it was meth. What I mean, meth still is really scary. Um, fentanyl is the new big thing. I had um, we had a case a while ago where, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes as a criminal defense attorney, you got to remind yourself these your clients are innocent mm-hmm. until proven guilty. Right. Right. And so, but you know, a lot of times they something. Has gone wrong, you know what I mean? Maybe they're yeah, not to guilty some extent, of what, but they yeah, I mean, got tied up with the wrong people. Or yeah, I mean that happens a lot. I mean, maybe they, broken a few laws, but maybe not. I mean, maybe allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But I mean, usually there's something that's happened. It's it's, you know, when a client comes to you and goes, "That wasn't me," you're sort of like, "Well, I mean, why are we in federal court tomorrow then?" Do you know what I mean? Right. That's it's different to say there was a misunderstanding as opposed to saying that dude wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's so. This is a federal case, and this this. How know, do like, how do how do federal cases work opposed to like state cases? So you have to go to a different courtroom, yes. but different courthouse, different courthouse, and as far as taking on these cases. So as a lawyer, once you become an, uh, a lawyer in Arizona, are you automatically qualified to take on federal cases, or is there a special? Uh, courses or qualifications that you have to take in order to do both federal and state stuff? So for federal, you have to be, have a license in some state. Okay. In the United States. So as long as you're licensed in one state, you can automatically do federal cases. You still have to be sponsored by someone and you still have to... Sponsored, um, meaning... Someone that's already on the federal bar. Got it. So another attorney has to be willing to vouch for your character and then you go and they have a small ceremony at the courthouse and then bam you can do actually a small ceremony well i mean is there like punch no cookies no they give you a piece of paper and then you get to pay like 214 dollars oh i don't want to go to that ceremony yeah no it's not it was not exciting (laughs) well it was exciting at the time i heard ceremony uh, i got excited no it's like they you go know, there and pat you on the back in front yeah, of the judge. Yeah, and you got to like swear yourself in kind of thing. Got and it. So, I mean, at the time, it's really exciting. And federal, case, federal court is very formal. It's, uh, it's a different animal. Sentencings, meaning like the sentencing that you're facing can be a lot. Um, it just depends on the crime, but it's a lot different than state. Really? It's a lot, yeah, it's a in lot different. In what ways? I'd say like s- worse? No, not necessarily. It depends on the crime. So, like in a state case, if you're charged with, I'm trying to think, if you're charged with um, a drug case on the state level, like let's say you have a pound of meth and then you had a drug there too, or you had a gun there too, you might be looking at, um, you know, you you might be looking at five years, you know, let's say at, at trial. Okay. In the federal level, if you have a pound of meth and you had a gun, you're looking at 15. Wow. So it's a lot. It's a lot different just because the sentencing. I mean, the laws and the rules are different. Yeah, because it's federal. It comes from yeah. Congress, the United States Congress. So um, federal is definitely a different animal, and they have one in Phoenix. There's a courthouse. In, there's a courthouse in Phoenix, and there's one in Tucson. Okay. So I do a lot of work in Tucson. A lot of federal work down in Tucson. A lot of um, drug cases down there. What's the there. biggest drug case you've ever done in terms of like overall weight of a particular Probably drug? Probably the two thousand pounds of meth. That's that's a lot of meth. I mean, I've never. Yeah, shocking. meth. Um, I don't know what it looked. I mean, I know it's like it's like glass, crystally. You know, I've seen Breaking Bad, but like a one pound of meth. How big would that be? Would it be like? Well, it's compacted. It's like in a. It's like in a. Uh, right. So it's like, like a, a, like it's a like bundle. A, it's like a Big Mac. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, that's not a bad idea. Um, it's no, more, that's a bad idea. Yeah, I mean that's bad. I mean, uh, you can say maybe that. someone can use that idea there. I don't know. Uh, call me. Um, but the, it's like a brick, I guess, yeah. I guess you call it like a brick. So this is a whole truckload. And it was, yeah, it was like pallets of it. So, wow. I mean, a lot of times, um, what's interesting now is the cartel, um, they, they're smart. So a lot of times they'll send over a decoy. I'm sure. Yeah. Tip off border fake. patrol, tip them off, have someone make tip them, them off. busy, make them busy wow. and then send over the bigger load. Wow. Oh Yeah. 
Oh yeah, they're it's crazy. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. So yeah, I've seen I've seen that. That too. is very intricate. So, but this 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 other case, this guy. So this kind of gets me into why. So why you shouldn't talk to police? So um, my client comes in. This is a drug case. Federal court. Fentanyl pills. They say he sold the five thousand pills. I mean, he's looking at ten years. And he tells me, "Oh, it's not me. It wasn't me." Um, and I'm like, well, they have a video, so I'll just wait to see the video. Like, like the undercover cop. There's an undercover cop with a video pointing at allegedly my client. Okay. So I'm like, well, it'd be, you know, as an attorney, I mean, you question everything, but at the same time, you're like, it'd be sort of crazy to bring federal charges if it ain't this dude in the video, if it ain't right. my client in the video, right? I mean, that doesn't seem, seems kind of odd. So I get the video. It's not my fucking client. What? I swear to God, it's not him. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, it's one of those moments where you're looking and you're like, and my client was actually in the office and he's like, just on me. And I'm like, it's not fucking you. And we're like <laughs> celebrating, you know, it's like, it's not fucking you. <laughs> wow. So, uh, that's so, dude, that makes me think of his story. So I get a message. <laughs> uh, this is totally off topic, but not really at the same time about, I want to say six months ago, my friend, one of my good childhood friends that still lives in Kansas, where I'm from, texted me because she was in a liquor store and there was a big wanted sign of this dude that looked identical to me saying he's wanted for coming in here and stealing all this booze. This guy looks so much like me. I thought it was me. <laughs> he convinced you. I thought it was me. Yeah. Even I mean, Kelly, everybody like that's 100% you. You look just like me. He was, he was wearing the same outfit that I used to wear. White t-shirt, red basketball shorts, everything. I was like, what the f I, I, I called this place. I asked oh, you him, called them? I was so concerned about it. Because I was like, <laughs> what did I do? I don't remember doing anything. Like, I've never stolen it from anything in my life. Had you been to this liquor store no, before? No, I'd, okay. I'd never even heard of this. Come to find out, they had only been built two years ago. And I haven't been to this liquor store since then. I hardly ever go back. But I'm going to pop this picture up on the screen. Because I'm going to get it. Uh, uh, hopefully, I can find it in, in my text messages. Let me even... See if I can what did you do wrong? Up. Do you know what you did wrong there? I apparently stole a bunch of booze. No, you didn't. First of all, you didn't call me. Oh, right. Second of all, you called them directly. <laughs> so odd. <laughs> odd instinct. I'm going to do a voice text. Hey, can you send me that photo of the guy that robbed the liquor store that looks just like me? <laughs> hey, can you send me that picture of me at the yeah. liquor store? <laughs> Hopefully she still has it. But it it's is not on there. There is a lot of... That's a defense. You know, that's a defense in court is it wasn't me. Right. Shaggy, the shaggy defense wasn't me. I'm sure it wasn't worked too well. Well, I mean, this case it did. This case it did because well, it wasn't it, him. They had a video. But it didn't even look like him. It's so not like you where no it looks like you. Yeah, I know. What? So, okay. Was so we called. The, mm, I called. So the prosecutor, God bless him, a good man, um, a just man, understood where we were coming from. And I said, why don't you come to my office? Bring the bring the undercover. Bring the agents. We'll sit down and we'll, we'll figure this out. It's obviously not him. No hard feelings. But you got to dismiss the case. No lie. They come to my office. We show them the video. Again, even though they were there for the mm -hmm. video. This is my client. It's not him. They start yelling at my client. We know it was you. We know it was fucking what? you. You fucking did it. You're a drug dealer. And I'm sitting there like, it's one of those things where... You're just so baffled. You just don't yeah, even get like, it. You're just like, what? <laughs> what's going on here? And the prosecutor's there and I'm like, you know, get a hold of your boys here. What the fuck are you doing? So um, then, then he goes, my client's like, it's, it's not me. And he goes, you know what? You're being pretty stupid right now. And I just, I fucking lost. You know, it's like one of those things where you like snap out of it. And I said, and I, I'm, I had the file in front of me. I slammed the file. And I said, uh, very quietly, I said, get the fuck out of my office now. <laughs> get so like out. And he was like, Ernie moment. He was like, huh? I said, get the fuck out of my office. Get the so, fuck out of my office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this, and I adjusted my glasses like, like Ernie would do, just like that. And, uh, and so they left. And then the prosecutor calls me the next week. And again, an honorable man, and uh, he apologized, and the case was dismissed. Wow. But so what finally got through to him? Well, he finally I mean, watched reality? The video. I mean, no, I mean, like, <laughs> he watched the video twice? No, I mean, he, he wasn't the one that attacked. Okay. It was, the, it. it was the agents. 
that attack, you know, that were yelling at my client. Typical. So, well, unfortunately, I think that should. So, I mean, again, you know, to the folks listening, you want to know why you don't talk is because. So here I am, you know, uh, a pretty fucking good defense attorney. I'm showing they're in my office. I'm showing them it's not my client. My client is there. Uh, it's so clear that it's not my client and they're still insisting it's him. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you about, this is the federal government. I mean, they have unlimited resources. This is what they do for a living. These people have so much free time that they're setting up a buy. They've done all this research and they've set it up and they don't even have the right fucking guy. They're close. They're in a car, Dawson. They're closer than you and I are right now. And this guy's in the office yelling at my client, telling it's him when it, like it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. So, I mean, it's, it's good as a defense attorney, I think, for mm -hmm. me to have these, to have the, you know, kind of like, yeah, yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It's like, like okay, it, everything isn't right here. This is, this is, this is why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here to keep yeah. these people that are innocent yeah. safe. And I mean, this kid, he was a kid. I mean, it, you know, 10 His years. life could have been ruined for yeah, nothing. ruined. I mean, 10 years is not, I mean, if he comes out at 30, I mean, he's still... You can't get that time back. You can't get that time no. back. So that um, that really affected me, and that was a, a real reminder. And um, But that case shows you, too, there are good prosecutors out there. There are people, right. you know, a prosecutor, you know, prosecutors have badges. Really? Yeah, prosecutors have badges. Yeah, they do, because they're held to a higher standard. Huh. So at least in the state of Arizona. So in the state of Arizona, they take an oath to uphold justice. Their job is not supposed to get a conviction. Their job goes beyond that. It's justice for all. Hmm. So um, I think, you know, candidly, a lot of uh, a lot of them have sort of, you know, uh, they don't follow that mantra. Right. They've sort of kind of dipped into this belief that it's their job to put people in prison and put people in jail. And I, I mean, certainly that's that is, you know, part of their job. There's no question about it, but that mm -hmm. should not be their ultimate goal. Their ultimate goal should be justice. Right. Do you ever have clients that you're afraid of? Like if, if I don't get this guy off, his gang member is going to come kill me. No. no, 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 that's good. No, I mean, I'm the, uh, uh, no, I mean, I think I had one time where a guy threatened to kick my ass, but, <laughs> for um, what? I don't even remember what, what it was about. It was some, uh, I think it was something stupid. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll see you when you get here kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. But <laughs> you know, I mean, all, I mean, tensions, uh, look, at, it's a very stressful situation when people are charged with a crime. I mean, it's, even if it's a misdemeanor, if it's a small yeah. crime, but I mean, you look at my clients, these people are looking at years yeah, in prison. I can't imagine them even being able to sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, I lose and, sleep and at night, and it's process. not even my life. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I fucking woke up this morning. I was at 4 a.m. You know, I wake up. I just think about these, these cases, and, you know, I get ideas. I got to write them down or send myself an email. And um, so I can only imagine when it's their life how stressful it is God. for them. And just waiting to hear the verdict. I mean, you ever have anybody pass out? Um... I had a sentencing one time. So sentencing is when someone has accepted a plea and then they're, the judge is going to hand down sentence. And uh, I had it where a sister passed out one time. Wow. So like she went down. She was like at the podium she talking collapsed. to the judge and just like. Dang. And like everyone looked at me like it was my job to pick her up. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I tried to help her. but so, so once someone is convicted or once someone is guilty, then it goes on to a separate part where they sentence or how exactly does, right. So you, is that the same day? How long after is that? Is the, the judge that's there and just decides, you know, it's this about is, 30 days. It's oh, about 30, 30 days. God, that's got to be long 30 days. Yeah. I mean, it depends. So, um, it's usually about 30 days. Sometimes you can kick it out longer if there's a good reason for it. Um, like if you have a lot of family members that are going to come and talk, mm -hmm. sentencing is sort of an art because sentencing means, so sentencing after trial is tough. And that's totally just up to the judge. Nobody else. Yeah, correct. Could you have any input or like, I know the prosecutor is allowed well, to we say, get our say, I advise this yeah. or, or that. 
So you're allowed to have a say in what you think is fair, etc. Yeah, and so I mean, I mean, after trial, it's tough because you've been arguing that this guy's innocent, and he's so then afterwards you're like, well, I mean, this doesn't. I've not. Um, I think in my career I've had one guilty verdict. Really? Yeah, I've had. Wow, one that's verdict. impressive. Yeah. Out of how many? And it's on appeal. It's on appeal. I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens. So um, she was going to say. So there's guidelines to sentencing, right? To certain crimes. Yeah. There's Are you a lawyer? <laughs> This fucking guy doing his research. <laughs> what do you, um, are, does it ever go, so obviously it can go over, there's a minimum sentencing. D does it ever go under a minimum sentencing? Is there a way for anyone to get less than, like say you're convicted of a federal crime and there's a minimum sentence, say, you know, 20 years, right? Is there a way to get it so that your client has less than 20 years or is it always at minimum or over? Depends on the situation, but there is a way. Uh, to get below. So there are, as you said, um, in the federal system, mandatory minimum sentences. And um, there's actually new ways. Uh, uh, President Trump just passed, actually, the First Step Act. Um, oh, with Kim K. With Kim K. And yeah. actually, that is a way for people. So it used to be if you... Um, there's something called safety valve eligibility. I know that sounds a weird term, but it's a federal term and it's important for sentencing. So if you're charged with possession of five, five pounds of meth, let's say, you can't, if you go to trial and lose, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, you ain't getting less than 10 years. It's, it's physically, it's not physically, it's like legally impossible. The judge can't give you less. Um, if you take a plea, there is a way to get less than 10 years if you're what's called safety valve eligible. And you have to meet certain criteria. No, basically, no criminal history. You didn't like use, none at all. No misdemeanors. Like nothing. Like none. You can have. There's a point system in the in the federal system. Mm -hmm. You can have one point, which is like nothing. You, which is like one misdemeanor. But if you were a misdemeanor and you were on misdemeanor probation at the time, you're not safety valve eligible. Mm. So if you're not safety valve eligible, ten years. Really? And you take a plea, ten years. Yeah, you're you're toast. Unless so, you take a plea. Well, no, you still got to be safety valve eligible. Got it. So there are ways to get... Another way is if you cooperate with the government. So that's called... Uh, there's a motion that the government can file called a 5K1. That just refers to the federal statute. And it's if you, if you cooperate with the government. So meaning... It doesn't mean you have to testify, but if you provide some valuable information, you can get less than the, than the mandatory minimum. If you had a gun in the offense... It's real tough in the federal system to get less. It's, it's really difficult. Really? Yeah. So it's basically impossible. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you, I mean I, I, so when people say, um, so I mean, I'm still pretty young as far as defense attorneys are concerned, but I think there's something to be said about developing relationships. I mean, it's like anything else in life, right? How, who do you develop relationships with? You know, I don't have relationships with judges. I know the judges because I'm in front of them every day. I don't know them personally. But prosecutors, you know, I don't know them personally, but I see them every day. You obviously develop relationships with these people, mm -hmm. not personal relationships, professional relationships. So when you develop these relationships, you know, sometimes there's, you know, um, there have been times where, you know, um, if you know a prosecutor and you go, listen, I really believe in this guy. He really needs a second chance. Can you please talk to your supervisor? Can you please help this guy out? Can you please, you know, something? I mean, there, there are ways to get around it, but you've got to, it's not easy. It's not so easy. So the prosecutor has power to. They have tremendous power. Prosecutors really? have, oh yeah. Pros so this is a lot of people, I didn't know this until I became an attorney, was that um, when you get a plea offer, only a prosecutor is in charge of a plea offer. Really? Judges cannot make up. So like, let's say I have a plea offer of five to 10 years and the judge I go in front of the, you know, and we have what's called a settlement conference. We try to negotiate a better plea offer. Um, the judge cannot say to the prosecutor, I order you to give Dave's client five years or two years. It doesn't work that way. It's totally up to the prosecutor in their discretion. They have complete discretion when it comes wow. to it. So, um, so you can kind of see why it's like a weird process, right? So I'm fighting these people constantly negotiating with them constantly and they have all the power and they have all the power. So, I mean, but that's why you got to have a good attorney to find, you know, issues in a case, legal issues in a case, mm -hmm. because, um, that's how you get a good plea. Yeah. 
I don't, you know, sometimes to get a good plea, a lot of people, you know, a lot of uh, attorneys, you know, they're, they're begging and that's, that ain't going to do, it's like anything else in life. I mean, have you ever gotten anywhere in life begging for something? I mean, uh, no, no, it, it doesn't happen that you way. You need fight. leverage. Yeah. You need leverage. So the only way to get leverage is to find a problem with the state's case. So, I mean, here's some pretty good fucking leverage. That's not my client. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's pretty good leverage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and there's other, there's a lot of, you know, there's other defenses and other things you can do too. Okay. Cool. And you can sit down for a second. You want, you've been standing there this whole time. What a trooper. <laughs> um, one of, one of my questions that I thought of was, um, what is the, <laughs> what is the most interesting murder case so i asked you the most interesting case the tax guy you know that's that's going to be hard to beat but something something murder based because you said you deal with that a lot yeah um i'm trying to think i've had a lot i can't talk about you know active cases you know what i mean or ones that are easily identified you know i always keep confidentiality but um yeah i'm trying to think of uh Eh, it's probably none I can talk about. None you can talk none about. None I can talk about. That's fair. No. But I mean, I, you know, homicides are, I can talk about homicides generally. Okay. So um, I've seen it all represented men, women, um, very young, you know, juveniles, 17 year olds. Who's more violent, men or women? Well, I mean, come on, men. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You never I mean, know. I've, I've had, a, you know, the ratio is much, much higher. Right. Um, so, but I mean, anyone's capable of murder, uh, obviously, but I mean, murder cases are, um, I'm the only one that handles murders at our firm. Really? I'm the only one. How that often murder. do you have a murder case at all times? Oh yeah. Yeah. How many so, like, at once usually? Maybe five right now. That's crazy. So you're, you're sitting down talking to these people. Yeah. They're human well, beings, gotta be surreal. Man. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I really you know, I, you know me, you do know me personally. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a sentimental guy or right. not really one for feelings, but you know, these people are human beings and, um, you know, they deserve. So here's how I look at it. I always tell my clients, I'm not here to judge you. I really don't give a shit what you've done. You know, that's not my job. My job is I only care about you. I only care about defending you to the best of my ability within the confines of the law and ethics. That's all I care about. So, I mean, I think that goes a long way. And that's why I think I told you even before we started, you know, I talk to my clients how I'm, how I talk to you now. I try to treat them like human beings because that's what they are. I I try to treat them, you know, the way that I would want to be treated if I were in that situation. So, um, I don't treat, and the other thing about me is I don't treat my homicide clients any different than I would treat a I, don't tax do, guy. I don't do misdemeanors, but yeah, like the tax <laughs> guy, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I want to, I want to treat, you know, uh, the legal process, they're being judged. I mean, that's right. what it is. It's judgment. So, I mean, who the, who the fuck am I to, to judge them? I mean, that's, that's not my job. Do so. they tell you, do you ever have clients say I'm guilty? Um, you know what? You know what the answer is? No. And it's funny because I always tell them that's not, that doesn't, that's not my job really in a sense. I right. know that you seems like defend, really odd right. to say, but that never, I never say, did you do it? Which you would think is something like an attorney would ask, but I don't, I don't do that. And there's an important reason for this. Um, the state has the burden of proving my client guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, legally, what that means is um, and this is, I actually said this during jury selection. I say to them, do you understand that if I stood up, introduced myself, introduced my client, and then sat down for the rest of trial, that my client could, you know, my guy could still be found not guilty. And then when I see confused faces, you know, we, in the, when I'm selecting jury, you got to fix that because I don't have to do anything because it's not my burden. It's entirely on the state. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, you, you don't have to do anything. during. So that's why I don't ask my clients, did you do it? It's not for me. To decide. To de- to, right. It's not for him to tell me or her to tell me. Right. It's for the state to prove to me. 
and to prove to a jury. So even, so even too, like when I talk to clients, I, when I first meet with them, like in the beginning of the case and they go, I got to tell you my side of the story. I got to tell you my side. I go, let me, let me read the police reports first. Because I want to know what you want the to know state, both sides, the other side at least first. Yeah, first because I don't want to muddy it, you know, in my head. I want to mm-hmm. know what the state thinks they know. Okay. I want to know what they think they know, and oftentimes it's not right. By the way, police reports are bullshit. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That you know, it's kind of sloppy. Well, they're Some not evidence. Them, what do you mean they're not? They're not evidence. So I mean, evidence is true. Evidence is what can be presented at trial. So. When we go to trial, we don't take a stack of police reports and hand it to the jury for them to read. It's hearsay. It's hearsay. Meaning, so the way, when I talk to clients, I say police reports are diary entries. I mean, think about it. When you read a police, well, I'm going to say to you, I don't know. You probably haven't read a lot of police reports. I haven't read any police reports. But when you read them, I always like to say, okay, dear diary, today at oh, 1200 hours, blah, 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 this bullshit, you know, this shooting happened or whatever. He doesn't know. He's got no clue. It's what the guy hearsay. told him. He wasn't there right. when, I mean, 99 times out of 100, they weren't there when it happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a big point for trial. That's a huge point for trial because these people have to come and testify about what they saw, about what they heard, what they observed, what actually happened. You don't get to just take a police report and write down what someone told you happened and submit it to a jury. So police reports are bullshit. <laughs> But they can be effective, though, too, at the same time. They are admissible if a police officer changes his mind. Really? Oh, yeah. So um, there's an exception to the hearsay rules called impeachment. So this is what I do. This is, impeachment is what I do for a living. So it's like cross-examination. So during trial, when someone says something different on the stand than what they said previously, you impeach them, which is basically you crucify them with the truth. Hmm. And so what they said doesn't take any effect, or is it a complete mistrial? It's not a mistrial. Well, it sort of depends. Most of the time, it's not a mistrial, but you're showing the jury you can't trust this person. So I had a jury trial where this this wife was saying she claimed to be an eyewitness. She said that she saw my client molesting a daughter, mm-hmm. and but she didn't bring it up till years, years later. Okay, well that that may not mean anything in and of itself, but you know it's a little odd. So it turns out there's a whole divorce case. And in the divorce case, which is also in court, different court, but still under oath and all this stuff, well, she doesn't mention any of this stuff. Well, then all of a sudden this criminal criminal case comes. So when you go to the the family law case, you have to tell a judge if there's been any domestic violence, sexual abuse, anything like that. So what did I do? This is why I need a good attorney that knows what they're fucking doing. We went and we got every single piece of paper associated with that family law case. And I went through every page. And on the page where it says, has there been any abuse? Wow. Blank. Totally blank. So then this chick comes to trial and takes the stand. He did it. He molested. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, you're foaming. There's sometimes, you know, it's like. Did she, was she believable? Well, I mean, she seemed believable, I guess, when she was telling her side of the story. But when I got to ask her, she didn't seem too believable. Yeah. So, I mean, I said to her, I go, ma'am, I go, I have all these sworn, you know, it's one of those things where you take the documents, you have them in front of you on the podium and you say, you know, I have all these documents where you didn't mention any of this. So, I mean, you were under oath then. So why are you bringing it up now? Uh, you know, there's a lot of crying. It's like, no, 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 ma'am. Were you lying then or were you lying now? You tell these folks in the jury, were you lying then or were you lying now? It's very important that we know when you were lying. What'd she say? Well, she wouldn't answer the question. I'm sure. But um, I kept asking it. So this is another thing I learned when you're a young attorney. You're kind of a, you're a little afraid of judges. You should have a healthy respect for judges. They deserve respect. But you shouldn't be afraid of them at the cost to your, to your client. And the judge in this trial uh, called me up and he goes, Mr. Laleef, he goes, I don't know. He told me I was, who's that old attorney that, this is a, like a black and white show. I don't remember the fucking name of it, but he's basically saying you're trying to be like this, you know, razzle dazzle attorney. You're trying to get her to admit it. She'll never admit it. And I looked at him and I go, I'm not giving up. So you're going to, you'll have to hold me in contempt because I'm not giving up on this. I go, this is my whole case judge. You're not going to let, if you're not going to get me, uh, let me get her to admit that she lied. And it's so clear. I go, uh, I don't know what to tell him. I'm not giving up. 
And he's like, well, you know, it's not going to happen. You can ask one more time. And so I went back and I was, you know, I'll get into this in a second. But, you know, you get quiet and then, you know, you say, ma'am, I'm going to ask you one more time. You said this on this date. You said this under oath today. Which time were you lying? And she had to say at that point. So yeah. that's one of those things where you go like this to the judge. You take your glasses off and you, you give him a little wink. <laughs> and he was laughing. But I, I tell that story because you can't, you can't be afraid. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. be afraid. Which comes with experience too. I mean, it's not something, you know, when you're a new attorney, you're like, oh shit, the judge told me to move on. You know, I better move on. Right. So, so you, you plan on doing this forever, the rest of your life? Yeah, however long that is. I mean, I it's a lot of stress. <laughs> you said earlier it's not going to be yeah, It's long. a lot of stress. Hopefully that's not the case, but, I mean, you, you'll do this until you're 60, 70 yeah, years I'd old. Yeah, I'd love to. Would you ever open up your own law firm? Yeah, I probably would. Yeah, I probably at, would. At what point in your career do you see that happening? Well, for me, it's not a career thing. I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure I could open one now. I mean. Right. Uh, I'm the, I always say this, probably sound arrogant. I'm the best attorney I know. But I mean, if I'm not going to say that about me, who, who's going to say that about me? Right. So, I mean, I'm the best attorney I know. So that doesn't mean that I can't work for someone else. So I work for uh, the biggest law firm in Arizona. And what's so, the name of that law firm? Alcock and Associates. Okay. And we're on the 26th floor and um, love my boss. Nick uh, really cares about the community. He's a, he's a great man. Good boss. But um, yeah, I could uh, probably see my, you know, working for myself someday. It's a lot of responsibility that, well, you know, you're, yeah. you're a business owner. You've got to, oh, yeah. buck so, stops with is, you. It sucks. It's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I definitely, um, I've learned that over the last couple of years. I'm like, man, like I can just never relax. Yeah, it's a and big, you gotta, and you got a family, so yeah. it's, they depend on you. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I think uh, I like being a lawyer. I don't like, I'm not really a businessman. Okay. So, you know. Do what you do best and stick to it. Yeah. That's and a, make a little it. money on the way yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> Where can the people find you? Uh, well, I mean, um, you can, uh, I guess you could look at alcock.com, uh, alcocklaw.com. Or you could Google my name, David Lalive, and I'd show up. How do you spell alcock? A-L-C-O-C-K. Okay. Uh, law. And uh, we're in Phoenix, and uh, but you know I do cases all over Arizona. So, awesome. like to help the help the people, like to fight, and uh, yeah, we like to kick ass. Awesome, yeah. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks I appreciate for having it. Me. Appreciate it. All right, guys, that has been another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Make sure you check out Keith if you are facing time, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>